Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. Good morning. As you can see, I'm the uh, unorthodox one. I am the kingdom rebel. And uh, I'm going to take you down a rabbit hole with some of my thoughts. So I hope you enjoy the journey. It is truly an honor for me to be able to share just a few thoughts of the Father's dropping my, into my spirit with such an honorable group of kings and queens, princes and princesses. Uh, Proverbs 20, 25, 2. Uh, what I have is passion translation. So God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory. But the honor of kings is revealed by how they thoroughly search out the deeper meaning of all that God says. I am a researcher. I love to search things out. So, <clears throat> and I honor those who speak and who, who have come here and spoke uh, Mark, Ben, Kendall, Reese, Diane, Jocelyn, because they're explorers too of his word and of his life. So if you're ready to go down the rabbit hole again, let's go. <laughs> All right, he lays the challenge, Jason. Thank you. We've all read Matthew 16, 13 through 16, where Jesus asked his disciples the question, who do you say that I am? And we all know the answer to that one. But my uh, question to the Lord was, am I just saying that as a minor bird? Or do I really, really understand that? And I wanted an answer from Christ. And the answer I got wasn't exactly the one that I was looking for. So <clears throat> he said, uh, into my spirit, he said, I know who I am. And I know who you are. My question is to you, do you know who you are? Are you an explorer or a hermit? Are you a pioneer or a settler? The definition of a hermit is a person who is withdrawn from society and lives in solitude, sort of a recluse. And for years, after I got out of the military, I was a hermit. Even though I was married, I was a hermit, physically and spiritually. Now, the definition of an explorer is a person who travels to places 
about which very little is known in order to discover what is there out of curiosity. Are you curious? I am. We have all heard of, about Albert Einstein. We think he's, he was such a genius. Well, he said, I don't have any special talents. I'm only passionately curious. So are we talking to our children? Are we raising them to be explorers? Or are we raising them just to settle for what we say? They don't seem to have very many heroes in their lives like I did whenever I was growing up. I had heroes on TV. I had them in cartoons. I had Batman and Robin, Superman, Popeye, the Sailor Man, even animals. I had Flipper, Fle Felix the Cat, even had the talking horse, Mr. Ed. But my real life heroes were my family, because I come from a military family, Walt Disney, John Denver, Jacques Cousteau, and many, many more. Now, my question is, have you ever heard of Jacques Cousteau? Some have, some haven't. He was a French marine explorer and conservationist who sailed the world's oceans and educated millions about the Earth's oceans and its inhabitants, inspiring their protection through the National Geographic specials entitled The Undersea World, Jacques Cousteau. I would look forward to seeing that on TV whenever I was growing up. And as I said before, I am prior military. I speak military. I wake up to Reveille at 4.30. And I explain things in military terms. I don't work well with young people like some do, like Jocelyn, Kendall, Diane, others. But I do, I used to interact with the young if they were in J-ROTC or if they were in Naval Sea Cadets. Now, Luke 5, 4, I don't know if, When uh, Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, push out into deep water. Now, the following is going to be my interpretation of what Peter said to Jesus. He said, uh, excuse me, but I already fished all night. I didn't catch a thing. I'm on the shore and I clean my, my nets. They're all clean, but you want me to push out into deep water? 
okay, since it's you, I will do that. Now, my passion, my passion, okay, not my mission, my passion is to help others navigate and explore their oceans. So that they, uh, they can possess all that the Father has for them. So, push out into deep water. Be bold. Be courageous. Be an explorer instead of a hermit. Be a pioneer instead of a settler. Jacques Cousteau used to have a ship called Calypso because he would sail the oceans. Be the Calypso of your ocean and explore. Search out that which the Father has hidden and sail into the divine destiny that awaits you and is yours from the foundations of creation. Jacques Cousteau said, the sea, once it casts a spell, holds one in its net of wonder forever. Why do we tend to uh, drift to the ocean? Why do our thoughts go back to the ocean? We are 70% made up of water. The earth is 70% made up of water. We baptize in water. Now, what Jacques Cousteau said about the net of wonder holds you forever. The same holds true for the spirit. First comes the natural, then the spiritual. Am I right? My quest for knowledge, spiritual knowledge, physical knowledge, natural knowledge, is intermittent. But my thirst to commune with the spirit of the cosmos is unquenchable unquenchable, quenchable, if that's a word. <clears throat> it is my desire to be intoxicated with the fragrance of that divine nectar and to travel through atmospheres and over heights unknown to my feet. This is my pers persistent and constant quest. So allow yourself the opportunity to be held in the spiritual net of wonder. Explore and cast your nets out of your boat of your own safety zone into the deep waters of your sea of dreams. Now, Remember I told you my passion is to help others? Now I'm gonna tell you my mission 
my mission. Anybody guess what my mission is? Hmm? No. <laughs> my mission is to be an irritant. An irritant. Thank you. I am that grain of sand in your life's oyster to motivate you, to irritate you, and to help you create your pearl of great price. So I'm going to play a, uh, a YouTube video and whenever I said about the uh, military, you probably all heard of CYA, CYB. What about CYM? Ever hear of that one? Charlie Yankee Mike. It means continue your mission no matter what. So whatever your mission is, I say CYM. You want to play that now, please?
Did uh, did you see the last couple of whales? Whenever they breathed out, they were breathed. Uh, they breathed the rainbow. God's remembrance. Be the calypso and breathe grace into your oceans. Other than that, I'm done. Thank you. Don't be sorry. It's good. Hi, Josh. Hi. Can we just take a minute to like receive that challenge that Ed gave to us? Um, like that's a really strong encouragement from deep inside of him um, to like not be afraid to dive into the deep and to really explore the heart of God, the mind of God, the mysteries, the secrets, everything. It's all ours, right? He said he's given you the mind of Christ. Like we can explore all of it, but it's up to us to like dive in. And I feel like that was your heart is to like encourage us to do that. And you're willing to irritate us a little bit till we start diving, right? <laughs> so let's just take a minute to like just receive that challenge with the Lord. And just even ask Lord and that you just stir our hearts. And we do, we do the work too. We just want to stir up hunger inside of us to not become satisfied with what we already know. But that there's a hunger inside of us to explore and know you deeper and more fully. You are ever increasing. May we forever grow in our hunger for you, in our knowledge of who you are, in our experience of your heart. We just want to dive all the way in, all the way, just immersed. I just loved how Ed even brought that idea of baptism. Like, we just want to be immersed in you again and again and again. Amen. Thank you. Yes. Give him a hand. Um, I wanted to ask before I, I'm going to just share a little bit more. Actually, okay, so that I don't forget these little things that I need to make sure I don't forget. Um, I have several of you that even asked uh, this past week and this morning how you can give towards um, the kids from Network Coming to Kids Camp. So, so that I don't forget to tell you, um, there we are, we're going to, just because of the response, which I'm so thankful for, 
of how many of you want to give, um, we are looking to take 12 to 15, but pay pretty much their whole way. Okay? So, um, pretty close to. We'll, anyway, we'll still let them give a tiny bit because we want to honor that from network. But we'll, we'll be able to cover pretty much all of their bill. So, to do that, you may either write a check um, to World Harvest Outreach and just make a note on that, that that is what that's for. Um, or if you go into like where you can give online and you would check, you know, like sometimes there's ties and offerings or Ukraine fund or whatever, there is now an option on there for you to give. What is it called, Diane? Do you remember how you labeled it? Something about kids camp, it will say, <laughs> that you can actually mark your gift as it going towards that, and then that'll be how you can sponsor uh, these children to come and join us at our kids camp. Any questions on that? Mm -hmm. It is $45 per child, so we... Um, Working with Ben Raber from Network Ministries, he would like for them to pay at least $5 per child just to line up with like the goals of what Network Ministry is doing for that community, working with those families. But we'll be able to cover the rest, the $40 per child is what we're looking at. So it really makes it very affordable for them. Is that good? Any other questions? Okay, so if you committed to sponsoring, please um, give those monies. Ben is already working, he and his staff, to communicate with the families that we're going to take the first 15 kids that sign up. Um, so it'll be really, I'm excited about it. It's going to be good. So uh, the other thing I wanted to make sure I mentioned, and I'll actually pass this around while I'm sharing here this morning. A family that um, came, was, you know, a part of attending here for many years, um, the Worthy family, Elmore and Milani, they have six, six kids. All six of their kids went through our kids program here. They're very forever close to our hearts. Um, they lost one of their sons tragically in a car accident about a week ago, a little over a week ago. And so I just thought it would be really nice if we sent them a card from the Who family, from all of us. So some of you probably remember them and some of you may not, but any, any uh, you know, note of comfort and just that we're praying for them, I know will be really comforting to them. I'm actually going to go over and um, be at their house for a little bit tomorrow, so I'm going to take this with me, and I'd love you to sign this so I can give it to them while I'm there. Um, so I'm going to pass this around. I have some pens here. And as, you know, just pass it to the next person if you guys would be willing to sign this. Okay. Here, you guys as well. Perfect. And Father, we just, even now, we just pray for the worthy family. We just thank you for them. We thank you for their enthusiasm through the years, 
I thank you for their just absolute pure energy for the body of Christ. I thank you for their faith. I thank you for how they have um, sowed into this house and into many, many uh, church families in this area. I thank you for each one of their children. I just pray that you would cover them with comfort, with peace, with grace for every step. Your grace is enough. We speak that over them. Thank you, Jesus, for Daniel's life. Thank you for the atmosphere of heaven that came out of his smile every single time he smiled. And we just believe that you are the strength of the worthy family's heart in these moments. Amen. Okay. Um, okay. I don't think I missed. Are there any other announcements? <laughs> okay. Um, I really quickly, before I get started on a few more things uh, today, I wanted to ask if there was anything from last week. Um, you know, we talked about the Lord manifesting himself through our children last week. And I just wanted to give an opportunity for feedback if anybody had any things that stood out to you, things that were a challenge to you or that rung, you know, in your heart from last week. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to feedback to that and, and then we'll move on to a little bit. So I won't wait too long, but does anybody have anything? Okay, so like I obviously take notes. Um, the one we posted on Facebook last week is still sitting in my heart how um, you cannot trust your fear with anything but the Lord and that deeply affects your children. That I'm just, I'm camping on that I feel like for a while. But the other one I'm pondering and is the sentence, humility is the spirit of a child. And that is wrecking me as I think about humility is the spirit of a child. And I think because I have young ones, like Tice is eight, and he'll come up and he'll just randomly share good things about his life and exciting things that he did. And I've got this mentality still in my adult mind that if I'm humble, I don't brag. I don't get too excited about anything. I underplay good things. I underplay successes or I don't share. I don't want to come off like I'm bragging or that I'm, you know, so I just don't. I just don't share good things to, the, to a fault like the testimony of Jesus doesn't come out because I'm too busy, like, judging how people are going to hear it. But humility is the spirit of a child and just how purely they share and how excited they are and they don't get twisted up about, you know. I don't actually start hearing my children start. They're bragging until they start getting to about puberty. Then I hear, I'm experiencing jealousy, therefore I'm mad at that person for sharing that thing. Then you start seeing like, oh, you're starting to sound like your parent now. <laughs> so like that's, I'm mulling that a lot. I, I love that sentence. Thank you. Did you have something to say? Yeah. And God is like my father. I mean, when we worry and stuff and he's like, I'm here for you. Don't be scared. And then uh, God Kendall, we were at the baptism the other night, this 
Kendall said this little little boy or little girl was looking at me and they knew and Kendall said I he can't see he can't see and he said that that little boy or whoever it was kept looking at me so yes it was just a really cool experience for me because Carolyn doesn't get in front of people and she doesn't read in front of people. So it was a real it was actually a miracle for me to watch my daughter get up there and do what she did. Yes, yes. Okay. So um this week I wanna I wanna pick up a little bit where we left off. Um I was looking at the childlike spirit, and I don't know if you remember last week, I said I was looking at it through like the lens of our manifest, measure, and multiply that we're focused on this year. So last week, and this is like one of the biggest parts of my heart is just like, I want the whole world to know that Jesus is manifesting himself, pouring out of children, all over the world. Like, that is, like, probably one of the biggest passions in my life is for the world to see Jesus in children, to experience him. I really believe that it's in a childlike spirit that the world sees him and changes and becomes like him. So um, this week, I wanted to explore a little bit of some ideas of the word multiply, as well as measure. And I know that sounds a little bit out of order, but it's just, it's the order I'm in today. So we're going to talk a little bit about how, what I would say is how we multiply that um, childlikeness, right? We are all the children of God, right? Like that's, that's who we are. He is our father. And so no, no matter how old I am, I am his child. And so um, I want to talk about a little bit about how we allow the manifestation of Holy Spirit and all that God is, how coming out of the childlike heart, how that multiplies. And then um, I want to talk slightly also about the word measure. Um, so let's look at Isaiah chapter 11 first. It's one of my all-time favorite chapters in the Bible. Um, we're going to look at the first 10 verses. Thank you, Jason. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11 um, this is gonna, this starts with describing prophetically the way that Jesus would walk among us, okay? And his, how he would rule as a king, okay? And then we're gonna see how that childlike spirit is in this, okay? Then a, this is Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, 
and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. That takes me right back to that scripture we were in, Isaiah chapter 8, last week, where it is, you know, you're not supposed to act like all these people and start pointing at all the things they're afraid of and all the things they're calling conspiracies and this and that. You have one fear, the Lord. That is it. And I just, like, that verse takes me back to that. Jesus not only lived in the fear of the Lord, he delighted in it. To live in all of his father was his absolute delight. And I think that makes so much sense when I read in the New Testament where it says he did what he saw his father do because he was so in awe of his dad right? Your kid does what you do because they think you're really cool, <laughs> right? That is how Jesus lived. He delighted in the fear of the Lord. He will judge not, um, I'm sorry, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. I love that part. Like learning, and Jason, you're like really good at this, learning to see, not with these eyes, but with our heart and our spirit. Isn't that how Jesus walked? Learning to hear, not with these ears, but with our spirit and our heart. When Jesus saw somebody or when these people would ask questions or whatever it was, he was always, he would respond. And sometimes his responses seemed a little odd because we're like, wait, they, they asked that question or they have this issue. He wasn't regarding them according to their flesh, right? He would go straight to what he saw with his spirit inside of that person in front of him, Right? And so he responded accordingly. And so this is, that's what this is saying. He would, he would not judge by what his eyes see. He would not make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness, he will judge the poor and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. He is the word, right? He is the word made flesh. And with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. And also righteousness will be a belt about his loins and faithfulness the belt about his waist. So that's, that's like how he walked, right? I just even think of like he would judge the poor and the, the destitute um, with fairness. What was fair to him was, you are healed. Was, you need food. That's how he did that. He's, he's like, these are my kids. Heal. Feed. Love. 
forgive, right? He, oh, he's amazing. So the culture, so here comes Jesus. This is how he walks. This is, this is describing how, as a king, he rules. And then this is the culture that Jesus creates. In verse 6, it says, And the wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. Also, the cow and the bear will graze, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will, will play by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den, and they will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. I don't know if you saw, but in the culture that results from the way Jesus walks, children are mentioned three times in there. Did you see that? The way Jesus walks and rules, the culture that comes from his presence is one where a child can lead. Isn't that what we want? Last week, we heard all these amazing things that are coming and pouring out of our kids. How do we create a culture where that can lead us? How do we create a culture where that is ever flowing? Like we're seeing it and experiencing that. We walk like Jesus did. And then it's, it just, I just love the pictures in here, but if you notice that the next two times where a child is mentioned, it, it's mentioned with snakes. Did you see that? The vipers and the cobra. <laughs> and for me, that just reminds me of when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he, caught, he actually, at one point, he said, you den of vipers. And I, I guess to me, that's just like an encouragement to my spirit to not ever allow a religious spirit, like something that it, it's always been this way. This is how I've always related and understood the Lord and I'm not moving, you know, not to allow that thing to suppress our children, and the way they know Jesus. Um, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but like sometimes, you know, kids bring up new ideas. They have crazy imaginations, right? And, and sometimes it might feel quite different than how we see the Lord. And it's easy without even thinking to be like, Dismiss it? Oh, no, that's just them. That's just their imagination. That's no, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's easy to allow that kind of thing to, like, shut that childlike 
faith and spirit that actually is meant to lead us, it can suffocate it. And so um, I just think of like all the, all the people and the crazy things that Jesus like made room for. I mean, gold in a fish's mouth, <laughs> right? That's crazy. And the Pharisees certainly were not into that kind of stuff, <laughs> right? The, 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 he made room for like forgiveness of like, what? That lady? Right? He, he took a boy's lunch and fed peasants. <laughs> how like, you know what I mean? People that, crazy ideas, right? But Jesus made room for that. It actually is how he walked. I think that we have to like really intentionally make room for the spirit of a child and how they see Jesus. Because we, we want to create an atmosphere where that pours out and we get to receive of it and be with them in it. Um, I also, for multiply, I saw with Isaiah chapter 11, where we are walking to me with such humility the way Jesus walked, the way his heart was like open, we walk humbly with our children. Last week, we saw that Eli was hungry, right? That hunger will also create an atmosphere that will call forth what is inside of, of your child, of our children, right? So if I walk, like Eli, he knew that God talked to Samuel. So it wasn't an option for Samuel not to tell him what he said. There was, there was like such hunger because, because really his faith, he just knew, he believed. God talked to him, now I want to hear it. So we have that example of hunger, like faith, it's like when... Faith comes by hearing, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So God speaks. We know all these things he is showing us that are coming out of our children. So I believe that, right? My faith receives that. And that faith now causes me to be hungry to experience it. Because I know it's real, right? So hunger creates an atmosphere. Humility creates an atmosphere as well. Walking how Jesus walked. So that the resulting culture of our lives makes room for children to lead and, and to have their unique way of expressing and knowing Jesus and to be able to receive of that instead of dismiss it. Um... I also thought of in Genesis 26, we're not actually going to go to this one, but uh, I think it might have been in like Genesis maybe 21, where 
uh, Abraham and Isaac together uh, dug a well. And I think it was the well at Beersheba, which actually means seven wells. When I looked that up, like they had dug wells. Um, and of course, that was in a spirit of faith of the promise that God had given to Abraham that he's going to have all this land someday anyway, right? And so he dug these wells. Well, then, you know, after Abraham passed away, the Philistines covered those wells over. And it says in Genesis 26 that Isaac went and reopened the wells that his, that his father had dug. And I felt like another way to see, like, the multiplication of what is in our children from the Lord to, like, grow, be expanded generationally is to dig wells with your children, like, you don't have to live over here and only give your kids, you know, the, the parent part of you that's teaching them and that's sh sheltering them from whatever wells you're digging, you know, in life. I actually think there's value to you allowing your children to dig wells with you. Right? Um, examples, because that... I should probably give like an example. Of course that can be spiritually. Like seeking the Lord with them. With them. When you're, when you're in something, bring them with you. Right? In your intercession. In your prayer. In your worship. In your study. Bring them with you. Dig the well with them. But this can happen in life too right? Where, where, like, I know this sounds silly, but like, we had a rental property and, and our kids came with us to like take care of that thing. They helped us take care of that thing like that well. And then they understood the value of it when we sold it to do something else because they had a hand in it, right? Like, I think there are ways that you can dig wells in your life that down the road they'll go back to dig it up again that that water that fresh water that life that Jesus that that was there comes up out of them and they actually build on that it's a way of multiplying is to dig wells with them um I actually remember this time, this was years ago, I was outside uh, with the girls, they were little, <laughs> and uh, no, it was Ricka, we were jumping on the trampoline, and Ricka started like singing this song, I can't even remember, I have to go back through my journals to like get the actual words, but she was like singing this song, something about, I think it was something like, God is here, can you see him, something like that, and this, like, we were living right in the middle of town at the time in this car. It was this red car came by. And, like, I don't see this kind of stuff often. But when I, I literally saw there was, like, a, a dark, a darkness over that vehicle, over the person that was driving that vehicle, um, like, suicidal. Like, that person was really being uh, oppressed, I guess you'd say. 
And it, I mean, I like immediately wanted to intercede. But I have a little one. I mean, she might have been four or three. I don't even know. Like she was little. She wasn't in kindergarten yet. I started digging a well with her. I just went into intercession. And we were on the trampoline of all places. I just started digging in. I just started praying. And, and I, I just, you know, I can't even remember what I said to her. Something like, we really, we, we got to pray for them, you know. And I said, why don't you sing your song? Sing it louder over that car. They need Jesus. And so she just started, like, singing this simple song that was just, you know, like, I don't know, maybe two lines. But we dug a well together. And I know that as she moves through life, intercession will be a part of her. She'll know how to sing over people. She'll know how to pray over people. Even if it's only one or two words, it will come from her because she will reopen that well that I dug with her. So I don't know if that gives you like a little bit of an example of what I'm talking about when I say, don't be afraid. Like I could have just said, oh, Ricka, you know, I'm going inside. But instead I decided to intentionally do it with her. It's digging a well with her that she can go back to and open up. Um, I wrote down that a childlike spirit is contagious, inspiring, and trustworthy. It is pure. It's a gentle teacher that multiplies itself unknowingly in those who hang around it. A childlike spirit is contagious, inspiring, and trustworthy. It is pure. It is a gentle teacher that multiplies itself unknowingly in those who hang around it. I think one of the best ways to multiply the childlike heart that so freely pours out the Lord is to hang around it. Because what happens is when we hang around that, it opens us up to, to become childlike again. It's very contagious. I end up finding myself more free. It's why I love hanging out back here with the kids. Because stuff comes out of me. Because I'm hanging out with them. And they're just... They're just free. Freedom, right? They're not worried about what someone else thinks of their thought. They're not worried about what someone else thinks when they pray. They just, whatever's there, it just comes out. And the more that we hang around that, the more it multiplies in us and in whoever they're with. Um, even to this day, which my girls are now like, you know, teens, but even to this day, they sometimes, like, their banter and their, they still have that childlikeness in them. And I oftentimes will say, like, if we have company over, I'll oftentimes say, just hang out downstairs. Like, I know when you're done eating, like, it's okay, but just hang out downstairs. 
Because just hearing them laugh brings life to everybody else. It opens us up just to hear, just to hear childlikeness, just to hear youthfulness. It opens us up. Um, so I think that the biggest part of the multiplication of this thing is when we allow that childlikeness to rub off on us and actually challenge our own hearts, which is much of what SOS is, challenge our own hearts to be childlike again. Isn't that the biggest multiplication? Like if the whole earth was just filled with childlikeness, filled with children of God who actually like walk as children of God, <laughs> right? That's, the, that's big multiplication right there. And it's not limited to an age group, right? It actually can fill the earth. Um, which it actually says, I don't know if you saw in, in Isaiah, but it said, like after it was describing this culture where the child will lead and a nursing child can play by the cobra and the viper's den, and, and it says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. There's something about that atmosphere and childlikeness that is just like the simplicity of knowing the Lord, knowing Jesus. I think of, I think it was, where's that at? It was in like 1 John, where it's like he's addressing the people and he, he addresses different age groups and, and he says, um, I can't, uh, it's verse, first, here, I have it written down. He says, children, basically he refers to them as like, Children who know the Father. First John chapter two verse thirteen. I'm actually, I'm actually going to read that. Um, but that's what that reminds me of. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Children know Him. First John two. <laughs> I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know Him, who has been from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. They just know him. Um, like I think of John the Baptist. He knew Jesus in the womb before he was born. He was filled with God's spirit. He was already pouring out the spirit of God from the womb. Remember, he leaped and it filled his mom. His mom was filled with the spirit because John, as an unborn child, still in his mom's belly, leaped. He knew the Lord. And he was already pouring the Lord out of him. Isn't that amazing? I think of, like, I, I, my, I guess recently, every time I hear the word infant, I just think of face to face. Face to face with the Lord. I mean, 
He hides secrets. Remember Luke 10, 21? He hides secrets in infants. He hides the ways of the kingdom in infants. They're face to face. They're looking right at King Jesus, right at Father. Was it Psalms 8, praise of an infant? Um, when thinking of the idea of becoming childlike in our own hearts again, because sometimes that can be a challenge, um, I, I know I have to do this quickly, so uh, I want to look at Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. This is the story about Abraham and Sarah, and it's really a story about Sarah and Hagar. Hagar, Hagar, however you say that. And as you guys know, God had made a promise, right? A covenant with Abraham. And uh, Abraham wasn't able, he wasn't, like he and Sarah, his wife, couldn't bear children. So how's this promise going to happen, right? And so in um, Genesis 16, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. Uh, another version I had read, it said, perhaps I could build a family through her. And when I, I've been in this story lately, and I've, again, been hearing it differently. Sarah was willing to sow someone else's child as her own. And I really felt, as you know, the story goes, it doesn't, that, that's not how God wanted to do it, right? Sarah had to believe and sow her own child, right? Um, and, well, I'll read one more scripture and then we'll say that. Um, in Genesis 18, and this is verse, oh, where am I at? 10 to 14. It says, Genesis 18, 10. Uh, he says, surely I will return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. She laughed to herself, saying, after I've become old, shall I have the pleasure, my Lord, being old also? Uh, and the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I indeed bear a child when I'm so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? When I started hearing this story, I started thinking about Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 10. And it says, I'm going to let me pull that one up. 
So remove grief and anger from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. What I heard in this story is Sarah is old. In one of the versions I was reading, it even said she's old. Her skin is like weathered. She can't have children anymore. There are so many people that feel like they cannot be childlike anymore. There are many, many people who have old hearts. Does that make sense? Have been through a lot, have acquired some things that really need to be shed off, right? Have acquired some things like this verse says, grief, anger, I'd say disappointment, unforgiveness. Our hearts get old and weathered when we start adopting these things onto our lives. And I feel like that's what I was seeing in Sarah this time. She's like, I'm too old. I got too much grief in my life to have a kid right now. I'm too weathered to find my childlike heart anymore. I'm too damaged to see the Lord purely as my father anymore. So she tried to sow someone else's seed. I don't have what it takes to get through all of this and be healed, but I'll believe for them that their heart can be new, that they can be childlike again and free. Does this make sense? Life affects us. <laughs> we all walk through things. And if we don't tend to our hearts well, like wide open, allow the Lord to like keep washing our hearts and keep us soft and open. This happens. Grief and anger gets on there. And now, you know, Solomon's like, like, get rid of that stuff. And I feel like that's like what I hear in the Lord with Sarah. Like, you laugh. You think you're too old. Put off that stuff and ha have your own childlike heart come alive again. Sow your own childlikeness because it is there. Sometimes it's painful to get to a place where we can truly rest as a child in our Father, where we can trust again, where we can actually release thoughts and ideas and dreams. How many have such big amazing dreams or beautiful words of wisdom, but they're so locked down from anger and grief that they've had throughout their lives, rejections that they may have had, that it never comes up out of them. For a childlike spirit to be multiplied, we have to open our own hearts up to being childlike again. 
and not sowing someone else's faith and someone else's childlike spirit, but sowing our own. Sarah had to have her own child with Abraham. It could not be Hagar's. And the Lord did it. And Sarah and Abraham did it. Right? Um, I think that this being our own childlikeness, it's not only how the childlike spirit multiplies, but it is also our measure. Where am I at? Where's my heart at? Like, for me, it's like the standard is I am his child. How am I doing? Where's my heart? Do I have grief and anger that I have to get rid of? Do I have wrinkles? Do I have faith that just laughs because can't believe anything like that could come from me? Do I have stuff I have to get rid of? That's my measuring point, right? Do I have stuff to get rid of so that I can be face-to-face, infant-like with my father, face-to-face with him? where I recognize him the way John the Baptist did in the womb, where when I jump, the Holy Spirit falls out of me. Where I can trust that within me is the mind of Christ, that within me are like all the secrets of his kingdom that can just pour out into the earth and welcome everyone in. Or am I old and weathered like Sarah was? To me, that's our measure. He is manifesting through children and through the childlike spirit. It's not hard to multiply when you're around the child. The greatest challenge is where am I at? Am I face-to-face with him, or am I withholding? Has he set my heart free? Has he made me free? Has he healed my heart? Have I allowed him to heal my heart and cut off grief and anger? Isn't that the best way for us to engage with our children? Right? Like if I, and I think all of us, if I come into the room carrying all this stuff I am not meant to carry, like anger or, or grief or disappointment or the things that I should not be carrying, it's fear. If I'm carrying that and then I engage with my kids, they feel it. They feel that. My, the best way for me to engage with my kids is for me to be like them, 
for me to allow the Lord to heal my heart in such a way that I can engage purely with my kids and purely with the world around me. All of us respond to a childlike spirit. All of us. Like I told you that story last week of that guy that was real guarded with the door. It is hard to shut out a child. Like we used to, when we used to go door to door at Barclay, I just remember like if, if we took children, people didn't slam the door on us. <laughs> we engage with our children and each other best when our own hearts have become childlike again, face to face. No reservations. Everything is his. Not fearful. He's my only fear. Not bogged down with these weighty, weighty things that are supposed to come off. So, let's, let's stand up here. Let's stand up. Jesus, thank you for our children. Thank you that you are so generously manifesting, revealing yourself to the whole world through children. Thank you, Jesus, that you have called us your children. No matter how old we are, you take us in your arms, Father. As your children. I just pray, Father, we just open our hearts where there is any, anything inside of our hearts that feels weathered and old, sort of like Sarah felt. And just open our hearts to be healed by your Spirit. We open our hearts to you cutting some of that stuff off of us. That flesh, that part to be removed, right? Sarco or sarks. We open our hearts to you. We remove that stuff so that our hearts can, can be healed and whole and childlike face to face with you again. forgiving and soft and open and free and bold and humble, courageous, full of faith. Thank you, 
Father, multiply the spirit, your spirit, that is poured out through the childlike spirit in this earth, that the whole earth would know you. Amen. All right. Um, yes, happy 4th of July. Did everybody get to sign? Thank you. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.